0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey babe, how's it going? Babe, how are you? What a week. Oh my god. We're not here to talk about that today. We're doing questions and answers today. Yep. We said we would be taking questions from the listeners.
1: And boy, are we taking questions <laughs> yeah. from the listeners.
0: Yeah, we are. We got a lot of questions in. Shocking.
1: Yeah, I'm a lot. I'm shocked Yeah, what we received.
0: Yeah. Well so, done, you. Yeah, thank you guys so you much. Guys,
1: you guys really took advantage of that with such... Vigor. Yeah, such courage, I thought. I yeah. And there were so many things that just, so many questions that just blew me away and were so personal and so emotional. And, yeah. And some funny ones too, so.
0: Yes, and we're going to try and get through all of them, if we can, and anyone that we don't get to, I will will respond to you, basically, via email, if we haven't answered your question. Yeah. First, can we just talk about this? <laughs> this royal debacle before we tuck into the question and answer time can we just discuss this interview the interview yeah the interview as it will now be
1: known Uh, well i think we have to because we are um a multicultural (laughs) podcast here american and english so yeah i think it's our duty
0: it's our duty and also obviously we have um a history with prince harry that's right we do (laughs) And also, I forgot to tell you, I saw him again a few weeks what? ago. I know. I saw him again in the car. We were driving along, and there he was behind us, and he drove up by us. It took everything in me not to wave, now that the cherry's been popped. Wow, now that you're know, all comfortable I know, and I'm, all, I'm all like, he has. <laughs> but let's talk about this interview. Okay, so how do I feel about this situation? I feel very confused and conflicted because I've been raised to you know, queen and country. God save the queen. Mm -hmm. I love the queen. So now I'm feeling very badly. (laughs) I'm feeling really disappointed. And I'm feeling disgusted. And I'm feeling mortified. I can't believe that they allowed history to repeat itself in the way that it seems to have done. And I don't care if you're the royal family and you feel that you've been chosen by God. And I do have a lot of respect for the royal family. And I claim them, you know, I, mm-hmm. I do. I don't care who you are. You protect your own. There is nothing I wouldn't do for my family. There is no amount of money. There is no distance. There is no anything. If my kid, my kid, niece or nephew... My sister, if somebody needs protection, well, I'll do everything I can to provide it for them. I'm sorry, that's just how I feel. Yeah. And especially because Megan is black. Especially. They should be extra aware, extra sensitive, especially given the way she was treated by the press. She has received so much racist vitriol from the press, shameful. And for that reason alone, yeah. Yeah, they deserve special fucking treatment.
1: Which the family could easily give.
0: They could easily give it, but they're obviously trying to cut costs. We're not living in, a, in an age anymore where they can go off and be a part of things that make money. They made their money colonizing countries and raping other countries' resources. They can't do that anymore, and they can't work. But you know what you don't do is you don't leave them out to dry like that. The money, I don't give a fuck about. I don't care. You, you're you a grown man. You've been cut off by your family. Wow, wow, move on. Let's be honest. These are people that have been given a platform on Oprah Winfrey. Oh, they're going to be fine.
1: I think financially, yeah,
0: they'll be fine. They've
1: done what they have to do to survive this time, and they will go on to be
0: totally fine. I don't care about any of the money stuff. Wow, no. wow, cry river. I don't care about that. Go and get a job and get on with it like everyone else. It's the, Which it's Harry is completely exactly, willing to do. He made um, that
1: clear yeah. that he would do whatever it took. As he said, all my only goal is to make enough money to hire security, security for my, my family.
0: Yeah, and I think that anyone who says that they don't need security and don't need protection is kidding themselves. Of course, someone would love a chance to put them in a dangerous situation to exploit it for themselves. Of course they would. On the basis of what he's already experienced before and what we've seen with Diana on that alone, and it's like these people, they don't evolve They don't learn, and they don't care. They just do the same shit again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And I love the queen. I do. But let's be honest. She's made some choices or allowed some things to happen that have been cruel. You can say all day long, oh, they could have had a therapist come into the family. Oh, they could have done this. Oh, they could have done that. When someone asks you for help because they're suicidal, you help them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you drop everything else and...
0: It's the priority. It's, yeah. Especially when it's your family. And so for that reason, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: is not what I expected you to say at all. Because most Brits I talk to are are, are just flat out denying the entire side.
0: Because they're in we're indoctrinated. I don't know why I love the Queen. I'm obsessed with Nobody her. Does. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> I love her like she's my granny. You don't look at her, you don't touch her, any of it like I don't when Sarah talked to Prince Harry on the beach, I almost fainted. Mm-hmm. I have I'm indoctrinated this way. In the way that you guys are indoctrinated to salute the flag and you've got pictures of the president and all of this mental culture that we do in each of our countries our monarchy is is that and it's 2021 we're evolved i should hope since the royal family started and i should hope even since what happened with diana we've learned enough about mental health we've learned enough about families we've modernized there are resources available to people I don't want to hear any of this, well, that's the job, and it's the royal family, and it's a, okay, adapt or die, everyone else has to. I just, I'm not going along with it. You protect and love your family, and you show people empathy if somebody comes to you and says something like this. Good Lord, if a stranger came to me on the street, Do I'd pack them in the car it. and take them off to the hospital. Yeah. You know, it's, just be a human being. I don't care if you think you have a god given right to some magical throne and realm you're a woman you eat sleep and shit like everyone else that's your blood Mm -hmm. just because you don't like Meghan markle listen she annoys the shit out of me (laughs) i find her so irritating i really do just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean that they deserve to suffer or be persecuted or treated in the way that she's been treated yeah it's true regardless of all the other stuff so many magazines have to disable their comments on Instagram when she's in a post because of the racist stuff that comes up and the hate that she gets. I don't care if you don't like her; it isn't an excuse. No, she, we're all human beings. Act like one.
1: Yeah, it's very overwhelming for anybody to have to go through. Awful. And, and I've, I've seen it before. I saw it when I was close with Britney Spears. I saw the press. Yeah, almost. They brought her to the brink of suicide. Oh my God,
0: did you watch that documentary on Who No, I can't
1: bear it. I can't bear it yet. It was so hard to watch. Can't bear it yet. But I've seen that firsthand. The press is heartless. And we say the press, we talk about the press like it's this entity, and it is, but it's made up of people. Mm -hmm. That is. The psychotic thing, yeah. that's the terrifying thing. Yeah,
0: these people walk amongst
1: us. Yes, they do. They're, they're, they're our neighbours on our street. Yeah. They're at the huh? grocery store with us. It's become such a callous, heartless, mm. it's mechanical. It's this money machine mm-hmm. that's completely lost the plot of any human respect for human dignity.
0: So didn't you find it interesting that the press, the UK press association or whatever it was, host their uh, Christmas parties at the That was shocking.
1: I don't don't even know what I heard. I'm treading very lightly here because my new in-laws are all English and you, one of my Mm -hmm. best friends, is English. I, for one, am a bit pleased that Harry and Meghan have stirred the pot this way because I believe there are larger forces at hand Mm -hmm. as I do with all of life. And I think that this is a really interesting opportunity for there to be a turning point. Yeah, Just like Trump stirred the pot. Agreed. Trump brought a lot of good conversations into yeah. existence.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. And I think
1: that this was necessary as well.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you.
1: My take on it is a bit personal for several reasons. One is that I know what it is to have family that forsakes your bond. That relinquishes their protection and that denies their support. I won't go into that anymore, mm-hmm. but let me be clear when I say that I have family that has acted that way towards me. Yeah. So I completely know what Megan is talking about and what Harry's talking about because he was in the interview as well.
0: I'm like, honestly, it's heartbreaking. And I
1: will say it does not matter if the family is royal or not, if they are famous or not, what we are talking about here is family Yeah, supporting you. Yeah, And they said it, we would not be gone if we had gotten the support that we yeah. needed. They didn't want to leave, yeah. right? And I am in a position where I have, in a sense, left some of my family members in the yeah. same way, which I would not have done if I were getting the support Yeah, that family is supposed to have for each other. Yeah. So it's taken on a rather personal (laughs) layer for me, for one.
0: It is really, you know, obviously not to that level. I can't relate. But I have been in a situation in recent years where my family did all sort of turn the other cheek in an interfamilial situation. And it was earth shattering. It was a pain I have never felt well, obviously until now. Before that, I had never felt a pain or grief like it, even when my dad had died.
1: I think you're right. It hurts even more when the living yeah. turn their back.
0: Yeah, it's a different kind of grief. It's a different it's, kind of grief, yeah. It's so painful. When I looked at Harry in that interview, I just felt pain. I just I did too. thought I cannot imagine the pain in his heart. He's been stripped of everything. And he still sits there and says and he loves his and grandma. he's doing the best he can. And
1: he's not being a victim about it. Neither of them were. No. Aside from the family, I think that it is the most basic human need to communicate our experience. Right. You cannot stay quiet forever.
0: Do you think that that's what she meant when she said... Life is about storytelling. I do because when she said that, I was like, "You just stupid bitch! What are you talking about?" <laughs> but when you say it like that, I understand what you're saying. When she first
1: said it, I thought she was saying it as an actress, yes, because me too. all the time as actresses, little mermaid
0: thing. I'm like, "Come on, I How can we
1: not do this? <laughs> it's not." <sighs> I got what she meant because of what I just okay. said. Because yeah,
0: when you say it like that, I'm like, "Yes."
1: I do this believe that one. that is the most basic human need is dignity, okay. is dignity yeah, and communicating our experience. And I also connected personally with this interview because in my recent years, I have been involved with an organization where there were things happening that didn't feel right to yeah. me, but I stood by and I kept my mouth shut. And I grew farther and farther from myself and from my own truth Mm. and I watched others around me playing the same game Mm. and I felt very trapped and life became a ride that I wanted to get off of and I didn't know how to change it. It took me a while to gain the courage to make that change and leave that space. Yeah. And to me, that's what they were describing, which we have all been through. And I think it is disgusting and inexcusable for people to say they're wealthy. Why should they have any problems? Get over it. You feel suicidal. You have money. You don't have any problems. I have heard people say this, and I think that it is absolutely disgusting. Now, like
0: you said, whether or not
1: you like Meghan Markle go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's we not are about humans. That.
0: It's not about whether you like the person or not. We are humans and we have all
1: give or take experienced the same things in our life. Yeah. It's Anyone with the courage to speak up. Yeah. I don't care if you think they're taking advantage of an of a platform with Oprah. Who are you to judge that someone else should keep their mouth shut about their truth yeah. and about what they experienced? Yeah.
0: A lot of people said, "Well, what's the point? What's the point? Why did they need to? Why did they need to do this?" And I can't because they're, they're human. human. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Look, you
1: cannot judge someone for Oprah being their platform. That's just the life they're in. Yeah. Some people are at a level where Oprah happens to be their platform.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For okay, yeah, oh, yeah, For us, yeah, I'm
1: not. I don't have an issue with that. I don't take it. Some out. people are at a level where their journal is their. Some people platform. are just better than others. Okay, everyone just <laughs> deal with that. And I love you, my English family. I love you, my English family. I love you, my English co-host. Oh, but yeah. to me, it's really not about the royal family. It, that doesn't even register yeah, to yeah. me. It's about
0: family. It's about people. Morals. And it's about yeah. dignity. Yeah. And empathy. So, Fa- Can I just say my final thought on this? And then we'll final move on. Thought. I think the lesson to be taken from this situation is don't back a rat into a corner. <laughs> Are you ready? Drum roll. You you
1: have to build it up. Listeners, it's
0: time. We heard you, you wrote. You guys had some great questions. Thank you all of you for your questions. Yes, thank you. We're gonna try and get through them. There's a lot of them. Let's go. Speaking about mental health and family. We're going to go to the life
1: section of the document. Okay, let me just scroll down to where you so beautifully organized everything. You guys, I actually did some organizing. She actually did a Word document, you guys, with sections and topics and my sections and her sections. So let me get down to the life section here. Okay. Oh, I see some pretty juicy stuff. What are you starting with?
0: Okay, so... Do you have any advice on how to prioritize and take care of your own mental health while a close family member struggles with mental illness? The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, when you're on the airplane and they do the old safety vid? Yes. And it's like, put your oxygen mask on first. And what's the rule? Yours first. Only then can you take care of others. Only then can you take care of others. I think the best way to take care of and prioritize your mental health when someone else in the family is suffering is is exactly that. You have to prioritize it. Which means if you have to get up an hour earlier in the morning to take that hour for yourself, which is what I do, then that's what you need to do. That's a habit I've gotten into. I wake up an hour earlier than everyone else to have my alone time and quiet time. Yeah, I journal, I drink my tea. Mental health check-ins. Do you need to remove yourself from the room for five minutes? Get some fresh air. What time are you going to be carving out for yourself that week? And also boundaries.
1: Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say.
0: Okay, so it is necessary and fair for you to have very strong boundaries and you absolutely have to, especially when you have somebody in your family suffering with mental health issues. I think Lucy and I can both attest to this. Boundaries have to be strong and it is hard and it is arduous and it is, it's tiring. It's very uncomfortable. And uncomfortable, yeah. but it's not as tiring and painful and uncomfortable as having your boundaries decimated. That's right and, and having your exhausted. own life
1: energy sucked away by somebody by else. By somebody else. Yeah.
0: So put your own oxygen mask on first. Whatever
1: that means in your life. Yeah.
0: Carve out time for yourself every day. Every day. And boundaries
1: meaning that you are not responsible for saving any other person.
0: You cannot save anyone else and actually this relates very nicely to something that I've had to face this week which is Going back to the shame episode that we did last week, I have a lot of shame about not being able to protect Ryan and Max from what happened. And my therapist said to me, don't be so arrogant. It's not, it wasn't for me. I couldn't have, I couldn't have done that was who for are me. you to think that you could that be God? I can be God and decide who lives or dies or take the action that changed the destiny of X, Y, and Z person. And that goes for the person that's asked this question as well. It's not for you to put the weight of the world on your shoulders and be the sacrificial lamb for somebody else.
1: Your responsibility is to show up to yourself.
0: And only then can you be of service to others. So, you know what I love is that people
1: actually respected when we said, please don't ask any monkeys or eagles questions.
0: <laughs> Wait, did we ask that? What a bunch of legends. I made some joke about yeah, don't yeah. ask me what Hotel oh, California is. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know. We went there. Okay, so I love this question for you. Okay. Oh, my God. question is, from our, one of our dear listeners, my question is, what are some tips on balancing life School, work and social life. I'm a college student and I struggle to find balance due to a heavy school workload. Also, school leaves me with virtually no life and I was wondering how I can start to enjoy myself more and have more fun. I'll answer that bit, you do the serious bit. (laughs) Don't ask me about organising things. So you're the busy one, tell us how you do it. (laughs) How do you balance it all? Because I've never known somebody with so many projects and so much on, okay. I can absolutely relate to being a
1: workaholic and grinding yourself into the ground to the point that you make yourself sick every couple months. I have gotten better at it because for about the past 10 years of my life, I got myself into this work grind where I was joyless. So I can completely understand what you mean when you say you've gotten yourself into this grind and and you feel out of control in a way yeah so i would say carve out time every day in between studying discipline yourself whether it's waking up earlier or sleeping in later maybe that's what you need it's different for everyone yeah make a list of the things that bring you joy make a list don't give yourself any limitations with it If it's 200 things long, it's 200 things long. Let it be an imagination exercise for you. Every day, find something that you can incorporate into your day to break up that monotonous study schedule and those goals that you're just chasing, chasing, chasing day in and day out. That list of joy, even if you don't ever get to everything on it, has been such a powerful tool that I use and I do it At least once a year, I'll make a a long list of the things that bring me joy just to get in touch with them again and remind myself what I'm made of.
0: Do you have to, in doing that exercise, do you like to commit to attaining some of these things? Like, do you, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I would like to recommend to this young person that they, as they do with their school deadlines and homework deadlines, sort of say, you know what? I want to go on a road trip to the next state and I'm going to do that um, in the month after next and I'm going to carve out the time now and I'm going to prepare for it now to allow myself to do that in the way that you would with a homework assignment.
1: Absolutely. I think that's really important to give yourself deadlines and actually put it on the calendar and commit to making it a reality. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Wild said that to me last night at dinner. He said, I see you show up for your career every day, yeah. but I don't see you show up for yourself every day. Oh, And that means little things like drinking a lot of water, mm-hmm. getting out of your pajamas if yeah. you're working from home, yeah. going on a walk every day. It doesn't yeah. have to be.
0: I mean, I can talk to you about showing up for yourself every day right now. Of
1: course you can. You've shared many things with us yeah. that have been so helpful for me. And I think this is right, what you're saying. Actually putting it on the schedule and making it a reality. Showing up for yourself just as much as you show up for your schoolwork.
0: And also, as an old lady, I'm going to tell you that you're only as young as you are right now. And you need to have fun, babe. So give yourself that. Give yourself that. The last thing I want to say about that, which...
1: I find very helpful, Annabelle's about to roll her eyes, but positive affirmations yeah, I think that's sweet. are very helpful. The one that I use a lot is to say to myself, I have all the time I need. You say that to yourself throughout the day when you feel like you have deadlines. and Oh, I don't have time to slow down and show up for myself because I, I, I have all the time I need. I have all the time I need. I love that. Anytime you feel that panic coming on, that you are behind schedule, just throw that in there and it'll start to loosen up your thinking. All right, Annabelle, this is a question for you. How do we go about grieving the loss of our past selves while knowing all the while that they are always a part of us? Is letting go of our past selves the best course of action or should we instead try to embrace them?
0: This is a great question. And this person also went on to say, one thing that hit me quite hard recently is the part of the grieving process that involves grieving the loss of others, but also grieving the loss of ourselves, more specifically who we were before the trauma happened.
1: And then they say, I find I'm stuck in this place between my old and my new self where I no longer feel like the same person I once was. At the same time, I also don't feel ready to accept and move into the person that my loss has shaped me into. Wow. Well, you recently shared a lot about
0: that. I feel very similar to this. I am in a place right now where I am grieving the old me and learning the new me, embracing the new me. She's really blowing my mind (laughs) in quite a lot of ways, to be honest with you. I'm like, calm down in a good way and there is a little piece of me that almost wants to go back to my old bad habits in a way but they've gone. I I can't, even if I wanted to, with some of the stuff I don't think I could go back to how it was before but I think what you're saying is you're struggling with whether to hold on or let go. I think it's really important to be grateful to yourself for where you have have brought yourself to you know I have said multiple times that I died the night that the boys died and I did and I am struggling with that person who I was before and how innocent she felt yeah I mean I just felt like I knew it all and I knew nothing you know Mm -hmm. and um I don't want to discredit myself and all that I got myself through before the trauma Um, And I want to welcome this new person in. And I think you can do both. I don't think you need to cut off the old person. They got you here. They got you up that morning before you even knew what was going on. I wouldn't have known that feeling I had when I woke up. I wouldn't have known to make the call, drink the tea, sit down. I wouldn't have known. Old Annabelle taught me that. Well, how dare I tell her to go fuck herself and disappear off? Don't be so hard on yourself. Sounds like you're being a bit hard on yourself and, and, and forcing yourself to make this decision to let go of the process. Right, like it's one or the other. Before. It's not one or the other. Both of those things are you. And you just need to, you're mindful of it clearly. And I think one thing that we really, really can do to ourselves is tell ourselves, I've got this problem and I need to fix it and I need to solve it. Okay, so you've already started doing that by acknowledging. And I really think that the soul and the subconscious. Is chipping away.
1: They take it from
0: there. They take it from there. You check in with it. How am I feeling about it this week? How am I feeling about it today? What have I done to move it forward? But you don't need to problem solve this. It's already in motion. It's already in motion. Your body knows what to do. Your spirit knows what to do. Love both of those people. And allow it. And allow it to happen. And as my therapist always says to me, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. This is a fun and frivolous question.
1: I do fun and frivolous really good. <laughs> favorite place
0: on Earth and why? Oh,
1: favorite place on Earth. Well, we haven't been everywhere, but favorite place that we've been so far.
0: Okay, so my favorite place is my family home, Grenville Hall, and the land surrounding it, it is my favorite place in the world, Hampshire, where I'm from. She
1: has her eyes closed right now, everybody.
0: <sighs> I'm just thinking about it right now. There is nowhere in the world, more wonderful. I love it, I feel like I'm made of the soil and it is made of me and I love it and it's my favorite place and I love the River Mion and I love the trees. I'm there now, (laughs) sounds incredible. (laughs) I'll never love a thing more. Mm. I hope you get
1: to go back there very soon. How about you? My favorite place so far has got to be the Scottish Highlands.
0: Oh, God, that's second for me.
1: There is a Ooh. lake called Loch Lomond.
0: Loch Lomond.
1: Loch Lomond. And um, I would have to say the forest in the Scottish Highlands where I became engaged.
0: <gasps> where you became an engaged. Yes, it was woman.
1: very, very romantic and it was... Mossy and misty. Mm,
0: really. I love a mossy, oh, misty God. woodland. Yes. <laughs> Nothing gets me going more than a mossy woodland. woodland.
1: Ancient, mossy woodland. <laughs> yep, that is my favourite place on earth. Um, but where would you like to go next that you're dreaming about? <sighs>
0: so I'm workshopping an idea. <laughs> I'm going to be going to Italy. I'm going to be well. I'm learning Italian. Not sure I'm very good at it, but <laughs> I'm getting there. And I'm going to be going to Italy, and I'm going to go to all the places you see in the films. Mm. I'm going to be fabulous mm. and stunning. I'm going to wear linen. <laughs> I'm going to wear silky scarves. My friend said to me the other day, "You're going to be the widow of a Malfi. and I said, "Yes, I am. I'm going to wear." Are you going to take your silk-
1: massive scrunchie?
0: All of them. I'm going to wear silk scarves. You need a whole suitcase for your scrunchies. No one's going to really know who I am or where I'm from or where I'm going. Only my lovers. Mm -hmm. All 10 to 15 of of them. them. (laughs) Even they are not really sure if they've ever met me. So that's me. Wow. I'm just workshopping the idea. It's not set in stone italy is okay it needs some rewrites but it's sounding um, okay it's you've got a solid
1: I foundation a there for a start. good yeah it's a good start
0: is it choppy on lake cuomo lake como como you know why i said cuomo no why because that fucking um new york senator i can't stop thinking about him cuomo
1: oh the I, one who's. i'm not the one to talk to about political figures i have no idea who anybody <laughs> is
0: Oh, okay. Well, anyone else who knows. I don't want to dilute my beautiful um, I, I try to live in fantasy as much as possible, uh, okay, okay, so okay. I really
1: don't follow politics. Okay, okay,
0: okay. Anyways, I'm going to be on Lake Cuomo. <laughs> I've heard it is a bit choppy, cause
1: to I answer get seasick. your question.
0: I don't really want to be seasick in this well, fantasy. you can stay
1: on the shore in your villa. I'd like to go, dear listener, to Egypt. I am <gasps> aching to see the pyramids. And in another life, I'm sure I was an archaeologist, just traveling all around the Middle East.
0: That's mm. like my dream job, you know. Any other a- job I wanted to do, apart from singing, as a child, was be an archaeologist. Me too. Yeah, if I were not an actress in the vegetable garden, it just sent me
1: over the edge. I would find like Indian arrowheads and things i'd oh, go to, yeah because you were out here you i'd had go to native american stuff. yeah i'd go to a native american indian camp every summer and i would just dig in the dirt they'd have to just carry me in because i was just obsessed with digging
0: ancient egypt amalfi next question it's actually really good for me because i've been meaning to practice reading out loud because <laughs> i'm really <laughs> glad we could all be here for you no i'm really insecure about it God, I'm not very good at it. I'm dyslexic. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so this question is... i you going to hold your hand? No, I'm stroking my rose quartz crystal as we speak. This really got me right in the guts, this one. I loved, love a man who still feels like my forever. His relationship with his very recent ex made me uncomfortable, and this was communicated and rectified, I thought. After a month passed, and they got together to chat, which registered to me as a betrayal... Talk about an exorcism-like reaction. I think this young lady is referring to my Mm -hmm. earlier exorcisms in the grieving process. Mm -hmm. I found out soon after that they had been engaged. How did I find out? She made a docu-fiction film about it that wrapped a few days before our first date. He never told me it existed. Seeing it is how I learned of the engagement and how quickly he had started dating me afterwards. I feel shame and regret. I ended it reluctantly because I was miserable and didn't feel chosen by him. He seemed to choose her over us. I feel shame that I was too much in my reaction. Shame that I didn't compromise as he struggles with putting up boundaries. Um, I regret not being more patient. The film gutted me. I did my best with what I knew at the time, but it's been a year and I still miss him. Any advice, gentle reminder, or outer perspective that may help me heal? This is just awful. Um,
1: First of all, you are a goddess.
0: Yeah, big time.
1: All right, that's number one.
0: Yeah, big time. I mean, sharing this is really brave. And yeah, thank you for sharing yeah, that. that. That's a lot to go through. That's a lot to digest. She's got some good thoughts about what yeah, she's yeah. gone through. She's, she is conscious. She's conscious in her process. Listen... I don't think you're gonna like what I have to say here. You may remember me mentioning that since all of this, with everything I've experienced before and after the crash, my expectations are much higher now of other people and myself. And reading this is, really reminds me of my last relationship I was in before Ryan, may I add. I don't like the way you've been treated here and it's not good enough and Mm. it's not acceptable and it won't change because from what you've said here you've given the chance to have the conversation you've had a conversation about it multiple times yet you've still been left here to discover this yourself I thought about this question in the car on the way down here today because it really, really got me, because the first half of it is my old life, and the next half of it reminded me of Ryan. And when you said that you don't feel chosen by him, that really struck me, and it really made me think about my life, and and I was thinking about my marriage on the way down here, and Ryan chose me every day. He chose me above everyone else every day, as did I with him. And I've never ever in my life been loved like that. I've never ever, not by, by anyone, not by my parents, not by an ex-boyfriend, not by anyone. He is the first person that ever laid down the gauntlet and said, I choose you above everyone, every day, always. And he showed up. So when you say to me that this man feels like you're forever, he's not. Because if he was, he'd be choosing you. And I can say that because I've done both and I can tell you what the difference feels like.
1: That line stuck with me as well. And I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah, And you just said it perfectly, Annabelle. I had the exact same situation in the last relationship that I was in. I spent far too long trying to convince someone to choose me Mm -hmm. and they just refused. And that's an incredibly painful position to be in and not until you meet someone who does choose you and who shows you what it is to commit to each other for better or for worse and make you their number one priority. Do you feel the difference and see how toxic the other is? Yeah. When you're in it, it feels like they're your forever and it feels like unconditional love, right? We confuse Unconditional love with giving people who don't deserve our attention more of our energy. Mm. But when you feel that difference. This isn't your man. No.
0: This is not your man. Okay. Get it, girl. Ask me anything. Come on. Shut up. Fucking hell. Don't rush me. Okay. Oh no, now you're gonna ask me a spiteful one.
1: (laughs) Bitch. Just a little dip into Daddy Land.
0: Okay.
1: Here we go. We've heard you two talk a little bit about your father's respective music. Oh god. But I was wondering if either of you had, had conversations with your fathers about what they thought of your music. And was there ever a piece of advice that they gave you that stuck in your head as you've pursued your own?
0: Is yours nice? Careers? Is your answer nice? Yeah, mine's nice. <laughs> okay, yours nice. Mine's nice. <laughs> <It's> not nice. <laughs> So what? The only real thing that my dad ever said to me about my music was, "This isn't gonna get on the radio, is it?" (laughs) And (laughs) like, what? Yeah, I played it to him in my room. He came to visit one day, and he said he just couldn't understand it. He couldn't understand it, and I. It sounds really bad what he said, but if you knew him, you'd understand. It was so outside of the realm of his understanding. And bless my dad, his taste in music was absolutely appalling. Really just like... (laughs) Like what? What I mean, mean? he just really sort of like Maroon 5 and stuff. (laughs) Um, Who I toured with Thank and, you very much Okay Well okay. done um, and, okay. You Love know, you guys he Love you guys He just had really bad taste My dad In everything When he was younger He had good taste And then he just got Like old man syndrome mm. You know he also He thought like Meredith Brooks bitch Was like the most <laughs> iconic Thing he'd ever heard In his life You know he really Played it to me A lot of times So he heard your music And he said This is never gonna be Played on the radio he was wrong, first of all. What maybe. did you say? I said, right. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I was really hurt at the time. But now I understand, you know, that he just, he didn't understand it. it. It was like old man vibes. Like he just didn't get it. But, you know, he supported me in other ways. He understood that other people liked it. And he helped me by helping me move to London so I could be in the, in the scene and doing gigs every night and doing sessions every day and everything. So he supported me. Mm. He just didn't really understand what he was supporting. Right, right. I think that's <laughs> the same with a lot of parents. Yeah. And was there any advice that he gave you that has stuck with yes. you? What? Wow. And it was about music and career. But it was also, I remember when I was 23, he said, how old are you now? Because he didn't know.
1: Um, <laughs> What's your name again?
0: He, basically, yeah. How old are you again now? I'm 23. My dad would show up. my dad would send
1: toys for my birthday, but like a month early. Like he had no idea when my birthday was. Yeah,
0: he was. <laughs> just taking a just a guess, a guess, a guess, a guess. I mean, it's better than nothing. He said to me, "God, you're getting old now. You better hurry up." Yeah, I was 23. Because he got famous when he was 9. I mean, he wasn't wrong, but he said to me, and this is fucking great advice. And I, it's not just for music, it's for everything. And I say it to people all the time. And it was one of Ryan's favourite things that he'd sort of, that dad had taught me. Don't wait around for anybody. Nobody. Such good advice. So, what did daddy say to you? Uh, nothing. <laughs> right. I have one
1: important memory of music with my dad, and that was when I was, like, 12. He sat me down at his piano, and he taught me desperado.
0: Oh, you and you love that song. I love
1: that. That's a great... And I cover that now in my yeah. live shows. I just sang it at the Troubadour. And that's a really great memory that I have with my dad. And every time my dad and I are together, we usually don't speak about... <laughs> Emotional things. We instead go into the studio and play each other our newest songs. And we did that during quarantine. I went over recently and he played me a song that he wrote about quarantine. And I played him one of my new songs. And he never says much. He's come to my live shows through the years. And what he does is he leans back in his chair and he closes his eyes and he crosses his arms and he just listens. And that freaks me out even more because I don't, and then he never says anything after. My dad is a man of very few words. He really doesn't divulge a lot, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't miss a thing. He's he's very smart. And then he'll say one thing and you go, holy shit, he's been paying attention this whole whole time. time." So he just takes it in and he's never had much of an opinion about what I'm doing, but he does tell me, I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of you. love that. But musically, yeah, he, he did give me this advice, which was any anybody who plays the piano will be able to relate to this, I guess. Never play chords that you would think go together. Play mm. a different chord in your left hand and a different chord in your right hand. Never play them where you think they would fit. Huh. Just use your imagination and come up with sounds that you like. Find sounds that you like. Rather
0: than what you're... Sort of meant to. Play. Yeah,
1: rather than what the training tells you. Because I do have classical training. Yeah. But then I also have this ear training. Yeah. That developed from him.
0: Encouraging Encouraging
1: that. me that way. I and then that. growing up on the side of the Eagles stage. Yeah. I mean, your ear for harmony yeah. just becomes insane. Yeah. So, yeah. My dad and I have had some really nice little memories in the music. I
0: love that.
1: Oh, I wish we had more. I really crave that with my dad.
0: Have you ever told him that? Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Right, next question. (laughs) Moving on. While we're on the music, my question is, what are your favourite songs that you've recorded and have your favourite songs changed over time? That's a great question. That is a good question. I would say my favourite songs that I've recorded haven't changed. They've always been a song called Normal Heights from my first band, Bluebell, which I actually listened to today again, and was like, wow, I really keep coming to LA and getting my heart broken. It's time to move. I wrote this song when I was 19 and put it out, and here I am at 32, shattered into pieces in this god-forsaken city, crying over another man. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Magnetic, which was on LaBelle, and Not Today, which was played at the end of the last episode. Those are probably my favorite songs that I have put out so far. But my favorite songs are yet to come out. That's right. Yes, they'll come out on when I can get my head around putting out new music, which will be soon. I'm working on it. I want to do it. I think it's important. It's, you know, everything that Max and Ryan and I spent the last two plus years working on together Mm -hmm. for hundreds of hours. Like it needs to come out. So I'm trying to sort of get my head around mentally facing that. But really, those are going to be my favourites. I can't wait. They're very, very special. I cannot wait. How about you? I have this
1: syndrome where... Aside from the shitty, shitty songs I've written, because I have written some shitty songs. I mean, we all have. I have this syndrome where my songs are like my children. And so it's you like love asking. All of them. It's like asking. You're one of those. You lo- you. love th- You love everything. I love them for different reasons. I wish I was like that. So I'll just mention a few that are special to me. Not so much because of what they're about, but <sighs> because of the songwriting experience. Lullaby which is my favorite one. Thank you. We've featured on the podcast before. I got to do the strings for that song with Paul Buckmaster, who does all of the strings, who did all, you know, string compositions for the Beatles. Wow. And I got to record it in the Frank Sinatra basement recording studio at the Capitol Records building. Whoa. So That's that was insane. a really incredible experience. Yeah. And he was lovely and and he had the big score of my music that this A four piece string ensemble was playing and he signed it and then there's another song of mine called Fly 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 which I've never released it's a song I wrote in Nashville and what I do a lot of times is I'll be obsessed with a song by somebody and I will play it in my ears and Mm -hmm. write my own song kind of using the energy that I get from that other song so it was a Tim McGraw song called My Old Friend Mm -hmm. and I, th- it had just this like, yeah, like this freight train going mm-hmm. and the beat never let down. And I just wanted to create my own version of that. Mm-hmm. So I was in Nashville and I met the man who had written that exact song with Tim Whoa,
0: that's so and cool. he
1: wrote a song with me mm-hmm. that has that same kind of not, you'd never hear them and think they're similar but i do that often i'll just take the how it makes me feel and pour that into a new song a really interesting, special experience for me. That I'm came so the opposite
0: of that. I can't listen to other music and then write. Mm. I, I, it, I, it's almost like I have to p- cleanse before I create. Yeah,
1: everybody's different. But I would say the music that is my favorite of mine is what I'm about to release as well. A song called Enough yeah that's me at the piano. Yeah, very simple. That's really it, yeah. the core of what I am in my music and yeah. and I'm now arrived at at
0: honoring that yeah. in my I'm so excited in my life to hear this new album of yours where you're just doing the thing that you want to do and just stripping it back because I think that that's actually something that you're kind of doing in many ways in your life right now. Good
1: question guys.
0: okay. Let's do, for you, for me, what's the biggest thing you think aspiring actors should hear? Acting is something I really want to do, and I'd like to hear a pro's thoughts.
1: What advice would I give to an aspiring actor? Okay, listen. Don't do it. No, No. a lot of actors say that. All right, so... Before we sat down to do this, I wrote, I actually wrote out a page of thoughts on this question because I do take this question seriously because I understand what it is to be in that position where you're, you're looking to people with more experience in the field and you really want to know and acting is such a vulnerable journey to go on. You need people who offer you good advice that will help you protect yourself. So instead of trying to say it from memory, I'm actually just going to kind of read through this. I love that. It's going to be a little rough, but I want- That's how I like it. I knew it would work for you. I wanted this to be really specific. So here's what I wrote. Never let anyone tell you why you can't work as an actor. People will tell you many reasons why you can't work or why you won't make it, but that is their limited belief. Get very strong within yourself. It's a discipline to have that boundary so that no wind can blow you off of your course. All those people that are on stage at the Oscars, they all, so many of them say, I'm here because I wouldn't quit.
0: Kate Winslet is the first person that comes to mind. She was told she was too fat and too ugly. Bloody look at her now.
1: She wouldn't quit. That's why she's up there on that stage. Exactly. Jennifer
0: Aniston as well.
1: When you are in love with the work, then nothing can shake you because you are already fulfilled from the inside.
0: Now, can I just clarify this with you as a non-acting type? Yeah. Is this sort of like when I say to you that I really like how much you enjoy your audition process? Yeah. And how you've said that you've come to this place whereby it's not about... You're not focusing on the job like that. That's the be all and end all. It's enjoying the craft. It's enjoying the practice. The opportunity to read, perform. That's and share. correct. Yeah. Okay.
1: Then the outcome is irrelevant because yeah. you you are
0: the action is fulfilling itself. The action yeah. is
1: where the joy is. Yeah. Okay. Acting is a very strange craft because you have to go all in with everything you've got, and then you've got to let go and, and move on, and keep moving. It's a mind fuck. It, I, it, I
0: don't
1: it contradicts. It. it contradicts itself. You cannot dwell, but you have to be fully invested. It's a very strange thing. I think you have to be a little crazy to be an actor.
0: <laughs> I a hundred percent think you have to be crazy to be an actor. You
1: don't dwell because, like Annabelle just said, the joy was already in the work, in the process, being fully in and yet letting go. That teaches you to give everything. And let go in the same instant, which is life. Yes. Which is how we must be in every moment of life, no matter what you do for a living.
0: To me, the idea of going and sitting, obviously not right now because everything's online, but before and for the rest of our lives, it will be this way for actors. You go in, you're sitting there, waiting for your audition in a corridor with 15 women who look exactly like you, psychologically... That would fuck me up. You get asked to do all these things and sit like this and stand like this. And then they stop you halfway through and say, thank you, that's enough. And then you have to go on about your life and like it doesn't affect you or mm-hmm. doesn't hurt you. Or it's constant rejection. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I find just to be like really frightening about your job is that...
1: It's a thousand no's. And as they say, it only takes one yes, but you have to have the thickest skin uh, to get to that one yes. And when yeah. you get to that one yes, it might be an overnight success, but it's been 10, 15 years yeah. leading up to that I overnight know. success. I I love it when people say, the overnight success. It's like, was it fucking overnight success? Exactly. And that's what I was going to say is that you will be rocked by countless things that are outside of your control. The only thing you control is you, is the quality of your work, how you present yourself and how well you know what you want. So get clear within yourself and then you can get through it and you too can be on that stage and say, I'm here because I didn't quit.
0: Yes, round of applause. That's
1: what I would say to an aspiring actor. Here's a question, Annabelle, I'll direct this at you. I just lost a friend of mine to cancer last week. I've been dealing with that and the overall feeling of loneliness the past few months and it's really starting to do a number on me mentally. How do you ladies pull it together to get through the day? It's getting harder for me to get out of bed and I'm scared, honestly.
0: Okay, my first thing to say is I'm obviously really, really sorry about your friend. Um, And I'm sorry that you're, you're having to experience this. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. It's okay that you feel that way. It's normal that you feel that way. And, you know, you might feel that way for a few weeks or a few months. If you're feeling that way in a year because of the grief, then that's a problem. You have to be really disciplined and you have to create a schedule for yourself. You know, we're all in quarantine-ish right now. And for me, with this grief process, I have survived by staying on a schedule and at the beginning of the process the schedule was literally as detailed as what time of the day I was going to be drinking my glasses of water because I had to because otherwise I wasn't going to survive I wasn't going to drink I wasn't going to eat and I wasn't going to know what to do with myself minute to minute so it was wake up get in the shower put my earrings in. That was a big one for me. There are little signals that you can send to yourself. Do you have a piece of jewelry that you like to wear or a T-shirt or a hat or whatever it is, a little signal to yourself that your day is starting and you will be doing your best to take care of yourself today. And that for me was getting up, getting in the shower and putting on my earrings afterwards. Did I cry in the shower? Did I lay down? You know, did I crawl from the shower to the dresser? Yeah, but I did it. The other thing was sticking to a schedule of food and and liquid, making sure that I had food at 10, food at 12, food at 2. You know, even if it was something small, this is something to get yourself out of bed for potter around in the kitchen, pull a plate out the cupboard, all of these little things add up and before you know it you've got through the day. Taking walks is really important, really, it's always been important to me and now more than ever do I swear by it as a medicine, go for a walk. For me personally I don't like to wear any earphones and listen to anything, for me it's meditation, I listen to my heart, I listen to my breath, I listen to the leaves, the birds. I take the time to focus on little tiny things, whether it's a bug on the wall or a book that someone's left outside. And I am there for every step because every step and everything I notice is another thing that's reminding me about being alive. And when you're grieving and you're in pain and you're wrestling with death, you need to be reminded of why we're alive. What keeps us alive? Why do we like being alive? What do we love? Who do we love? Why are we here? If you can be with animals, whatever it is. Oh, what I wanna say to you is that you have to be disciplined. You have to drag your ass out of bed, get in the shower, put your earrings on, get your clothes on, have your breakfast, journal. Journal every single day. Big part of my routine. I've journaled every day since week one of this. Even if it's, I can't think of anything think to write think of today. I can't have anything to say today. Fuck everything. Yeah. And you don't have to do it. Sometimes I'll sit and I'll journal five or six times in a day. It'll come to me. It has been a game changer. Stick to your schedule. Even if you need to write it down, write it down. Put yourself on a little timetable and stick to it. And if you can arrange for somebody to maybe hold you accountable to that, that would be great. Some friends that can check in on you. That would be really good. So that is my advice to you about how to get through the day. And don't be scared. It's going to be okay, I promise.
1: Okay, there are several questions that are pretty similar, so I'm going to group them together, and we will cover them with our answer, hopefully. It's women in particular asking about time. She says, as an almost 22-year-old young woman, all my life I've been obsessed with time. I've lived on such a schedule, attend school for X amount of years, get a job at X age, get married and have a child at X age. I'm single, and sometimes I look around at the couples around me and get paranoid, comparing their ages to my own, and worry I've missed my mark, thinking they fell in love in their early 20s, I'm in my early 20s, what if I never find the person I'm supposed to be with? I know this isn't true. So how do I break out of this cycle of being so obsessed about time? Well, I will say about this, I am much older than 22. And girl, (laughs) you ain't missed out on anything, okay? You have no idea where your life is supposed to go. You have no idea what's in store for you. You have no idea your purpose in this life. It's trying to guide you every step of the way. But what happens is we, as women especially, and I don't want to negate men's experiences because I'm sure this is real for them too. But as women, we have deadlines that we're supposed to meet, right? We're supposed to be married by X age. You're supposed to have kids by- Three, three by 30. Three by 30, okay? I'm older than 30 and I ain't got no kids, okay? And I don't care. Whatever's meant will come. Society is very overbearing on people about what you're supposed to have achieved by X age, right? Yeah. Now, these are just social constructs that we have believed from a very young age. That conditioning starts before we can even speak Mm -hmm. for women in different ways than men. It's like a pill that you swallow. It's like a spell that's cast. (laughs) What would you say about that, Annabelle?
0: Do you want to do all of those things, I would say, is my first question. Right, what do you want? Do you want to do all of these things? Is that what you want? Think about it. Because guess what? You don't have to. You actually don't have to do any of those things. I mean, obviously, you need to get a job to pay for things. But the other stuff, you don't have to do. I don't believe in getting married in your 20s. I don't believe in it, I wouldn't want my kids to do it. Late 20's fine, 28, 29, you wanna get engaged and get married. You have got so much living to do. And let me tell you, your 20s are gonna be a bloody fucking roller coaster. <laughs> when you hit 30, you relax slightly. 20s are particularly difficult and it's something I resent so much that nobody prepared me for. Your 20s are going to be so fun. They are fun. They're also really fucking hard. My 20s were a shit show. They're hard. And as soon as you say it out loud, other people admit it as well. You're somewhere between a child and an adult. You're trying to figure out what kind of woman you want to be or man or neither, whatever you're trying to figure out. I don't know. There's all of this... I'm meant to be X, Y, and Z because mom told me, because dad told me, because the paper told me, because I told me. The movies tell me, the magazines tell me. You are not behind schedule. No. Because the schedule is whatever you want it to be. There is an old guard and it is dying off. There are different realities happening now. There are different standards You know, we're in this time of social change, political change. And life expectancy is getting longer too. Yeah, yeah, to put it bluntly, yeah. Things are really changing and you do not, if you don't want to, have to subscribe to the old method. I never thought I was gonna get married. My friends all fell about laughing when I got married, when I got engaged, because who, me, no you know, I never thought I was going to get married and there I was. Don't do this to yourself. Just drop all of this shit and stop pinning yourself up against the wall. Be clear on whether you actually do want these things. You've missed nothing. And even if you're 50 and you don't, still haven't met the person that you love, it's for a reason. Exactly. It's for a reason. Just trust, try and breathe and trust life. It's not gonna be how you think it It is. It knows exactly
1: what it's doing. It's
0: not gonna be how you think it's gonna be. And I, I want you to live now and stop worrying about what has gone before and what is to come. And just be here now. And free. Feminism has done a number on us because we're now told that we can have it all. And that's what this girl is describing. Job, married, child, career, all all of the things. All the boxes ticked. All the boxes ticked. And what I feel frustrated by is our lives have become so much harder as a result of this, as women. Because we have to now have a career and be a mother and suck our husband's dicks and get the dinner ready and do the cleaning and do the groceries
1: And that's what a strong woman does.
0: You can have it all, girls. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't want all of that, actually. Fuck that. Fuck that. And that's why I was saying, what do you really want? What do you want? What do you want? Do you really want those things? I
1: still don't know if I want children.
0: Yeah. And... Guess what? You, you know what the voices to... of society tell oh, me? Of course, yeah.
1: It's too late for you. You can't safely have children anymore.
0: Well, you can adopt children if. That's my point. It's... I haven't decided
1: if I want kids. If I feel the overwhelming yeah. urge to do it, I'll do it. If I find out I can't get pregnant, I'll adopt. Yeah. I am not worried about ticking the boxes of my life. All I know is what I want. Yeah. to spend my energy on, Yeah, the things that make me happy.
0: Yep, 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 that's it. That You're hitting the nail on the head there. I think it's really important for this young woman to really think about what she wants.
1: Once you handle that, everything else takes care of itself.
0: And stop looking at what other people are doing. Fuck other
1: people. Gee. We already told you, stop following them on social media.
0: Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like, don't worry about them. Mind your business. They're looking at what you have wanting that. Nobody knows what they're doing. Keep your eyes on the prize. Focus on you. Annabelle, I've got an
1: interesting one for you.
0: Somebody says, I
1: recently lost two people to COVID, and it's difficult grieving for two people at once. Any tips?
0: Not so complicated, actually. And I'm sorry that you have lost two people to COVID. That's very traumatizing, yeah. I think. I imagine that there's going to be a very specific grief and trauma tied to people who've lost people during the pandemic. Yeah. Because of the atmosphere and the kind of statistic number driven... People are just lumped into yeah. this mass. Yeah. And so I just want to say that we see you, we hear you, and... so and sorry for your loss. We're sorry that you've lost these people in your life. It is really, really difficult grieving for two people at once. And honestly, the short answer to this is you've got to compartmentalize and with Max and Ryan at first it was a flurry of both of them for the first couple of days and then I realized very quickly that I needed to focus on Ryan and I needed Max to go away and it was like that for you know a long time until what a month ago mm-hmm. I was able to really yeah start thinking about Max in a meaningful way and I think you just have to compartmentalise. So that is my advice to you, is take the time to do both and don't try and manage them at once because it is too much for one person to bear. It really is. It And it can be crushing. There's no shame in telling one of them to go away, you know, and it's not for lack of love No, they'll be there when you're ready. They'll be there when you're ready. And it's because you love them and you want to spend the time that you need with them on the process that you are asking for space to, to be with, you know, the other person that you've lost. So that would be my advice there. That's great. Let's finish with the empath question. Okay. I like this one because I think, obviously we've talked about this before, And not to be obsessed with Prince Harry, but (laughs) going back to the Harry and Meghan interview and that whole situation, the word that kept jumping out to me was empathy and the spine chilling lack of empathy that these two people are being shown. The question is could you elaborate more on your experiences with your empath nature? I feel that I have had experiences like that from as young as I could remember with people I didn't even know. And it affected me where I was terribly sad for people and situations. Could you maybe elaborate on how you were able to compartmentalize and deal with empathetic nature?
1: Yeah, so you are right. You have been experiencing it from a young age with people you don't know, because that's what happens. I've shared before my whole life. I'm sure you've had this experience. You feel a stranger's energy and it just makes you want to cry or want to laugh or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting what they're putting out. That's why children a lot of times won't want to be held by certain people mm. or will want to go to somebody. Mm. Dogs and cats will gravitate towards mm. a certain person. That's all real. Yeah. And when I was a child... You know, I've always compared it to a baby rattlesnake. What? A baby rattlesnake has no control over how much venom it releases. So they're actually more dangerous than the adults.
0: I think I knew that.
1: They will sink their fangs in and let it all go. Wow. An adult learns how to monitor their venom Mm -hmm. and give you just a dose. So that they don't expend themselves. Yeah. So I've always had that in my brain where as a child, I would take on all the energy I was getting Mm -hmm. because I didn't know that it didn't belong to me. Right. As an adult, I have had to do a lot of work to put boundaries in on myself and discipline to not do that. So I looked up the word empathetic and it says the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Mm. Emotional discipline is important here, and Annabelle, you've talked about that in your grieving process, Mm -hmm. having emotional discipline Mm -hmm. to handle and process what you're feeling. So children don't have emotional discipline. No. When I was young and accepted the emotional energy of others as mine, I mistook their sadness, their grief, whatever they were going through for mine. And... I've learned along the way that if feelings like that come up for no reason, come out of nowhere, they seem very random, that's my clue. Mm. It's not mine. Right. Now, when you're in grief, that's different. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But let's say, let's go with your. Let's say you're not in grief at the moment, you're just coasting along in your life, and all of a sudden you can't get out of bed. That is your clue. Mm. You took on someone else's whatever, and mistook it for your own. So, Or oh, you've got the flu. Or you've got the flu, which is sometimes possible. I've come up with this emotional discipline that I put into action when this happens to me. When I catch myself having feelings that seeming, seemingly come out of nowhere, I stop. I recognize that this isn't mine. Right. Number two, I question where did it come from? And I can usually find out where. Right. Oh, yesterday I had a conversation with my sister and yeah. she w- shared something difficult with me. Oh, I took that on yeah. as mine. Three, I remove it from myself and I give it back to the person to whom it belongs.
0: And how do you do that?
1: I visualize my hands lifting it out of my own chest as if Ooh. you were lifting up a wet flannel. flannel. And placing it outside myself back to that person. Yeah. That's just how I mentally come up with it. And only then can I be there for that person without being weakened by what belongs to them. It's like you said earlier, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first and then you can be there for others. So it's not that you are not feeling for them. But then you can be there for them. Instead of being yeah. crushed by what they're feeling as well. Yeah. And I don't want people to hear that and think that it's wrong for you to share your hard time with somebody if you're going through a hard time. Annabelle, you've spoken about this, feeling yeah. like a burden to people yeah. for sharing what your, yeah. your grief. Yeah. No. you Please share. Yeah. Always share. Everybody, share what you're going through. That is not the answer. The answer, I believe is in the personal responsibility that each of us has to protect ourselves from what doesn't belong to us so that we can be there for the person, with the person, and say, I'm not going through what you're going through, but I understand and I share your feelings. I can imagine what that feels like. That's what it means to have empathy. It's being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes.
0: Holding space for them. And Does that your, sound right what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. It does. It's a very practical response as well. I like that.
1: It's um, had to be because
0: little me just, yeah, was just just all over like the It's like being shop. taken yeah. out by a
1: tidal wave. Yeah. And you end up roller coastering in your life yeah. and you never know why. Yeah.
0: Yours is very laser focused. Mine is much more my whole life I've felt feelings of overwhelming. I'll get up in the morning and it's like I can feel all the world's pain. And that's been a really overwhelming experience for me. So situations like the pandemic have been... oh my God, yeah. overwhelming. and I know. It's really, really easy for me to get wrapped up in the energy of it all. and you really cannot be useful and of service if you' are being crushed by the weight of the, the, world. Weight of the world. And it's really important to acknowledge it identify it as Lucy said and then You're still gonna feel it but simply recognizing that it's not not yours originated in you. You pick it up and you put it down on for me it's I'll put it down on the table. And I'll sit with you there and go, here is this thing, this problem that you're having. I see it. I'll sit with you while you go through it. Let's I'm not going anywhere. Let's talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Love you, got you, see you. It's not mine. But I will be here with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's how you have to do it. Um, I, think I we know that's how you have to yeah, do it. Yeah, I think that we don't share what's going on inside
1: enough because we don't feel supported by the yeah. people around us. We don't trust that we're going to get that space. Yeah. So I think that the more that we each take personal responsibility for holding that space for others, yeah. we can invite others to open up more yeah. and more
0: wow should we, yeah should we call it because I think I mean we haven't got to everything and I will try and you know we'll get to we'll email you back if we haven't read your question out yeah thank you
1: all thank that you was so
0: much for these questions really
1: incredible very interesting to hear from so many people about so many things we really appreciate you partic- yeah, yeah. participating in this interactive episode and and sharing so openly I'm really yeah. I'm really humbled by everybody's openness
0: yeah you guys have been really brave and really vulnerable i this whole experience of the grief in the last few months for me has been the most vulnerable i've ever felt in my life and so i have a real newfound respect for for people putting themselves in vulnerable situations emotionally so i really want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart to your heart for sharing yeah because it's not easy it's not easy it really isn't easy we hope we've been helpful or at least entertaining at (laughs) bare minimum if you know if If we didn't solve anything for you it's because we're just a couple of dumb bitches with a microphone (laughs) we don't know what we're saying but we'll see you again next week see you on Lake uh, Cuomo